Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another Love Tennis Podlet. They're coming at you thick and fast at the moment, just like the tennis. I'm James Gray from the iNewspaper and iNews.co.uk. The other man in the room is Calvin Beton, our resident tennis coach, who has recovered from his tennis sabbatical, his self-imposed tennis sabbatical, which I think lasted about six hours in the end, um, and is back to give us his thoughts on everything tennis uh, from the last 24 hours or so. The big news from Wimbledon today, well... I don't know if you can narrow it down, really, but one of the big newses from Wimbledon today was Cam Norrie reaching the semi-finals. He's only the fourth British man in the Open era to reach the semi-finals of Wimbledon. He beat David Goffin in five sets. It was 3-6-7-5, 2-6-6-3, 7-5 in the fifth. Three hours and 31 minutes they took to do it. Finished just before 8 o'clock here in the UK, which meant it was... Bang in prime time on the BBC. There will have been millions watching it, I know for a fact, given the uh, digital numbers uh, on the I newspaper website, which I do recommend, as always, um, that everyone was going mad for Cam Norrie, which is not something that has necessarily happened before. Uh, it was great to speak to him afterwards. Um, I was reminded of something he actually told us a few weeks ago about how he had been out for dinner with his girlfriend and they were just sitting at the bar chatting to the bartender and he sort of came over quite coy and said oh excuse me mate, do, you, do you watch any tennis and cam went yeah yeah I'll watch a bit and he says you look just like this tennis player cam norrie it's uncanny and cam just went oh yeah really okay well and then yeah as he was walking out later eventually said yeah no i am actually cam norrie i like to think that by now people might start recognizing him a bit more especially if he beats novak Djokovic on Friday. Uh, Calvin, it's a great win for Cam. We kind of talked before the tournament about how big this was for him because of, you know, he was a top 10 seed for the first time. 
He's obviously worked by far and away the British number one. We didn't expect Murray to go very far or Raducanu. So the hopes really were on his shoulders. And you have to say he's delivered. Yeah. Um, and he didn't play great today. Uh, I think it was weighing on him a little bit. Mm. Um, he didn't seem as free-flowing as he can. Um, and it was a struggle. It was one of those that wasn't a particular... I don't think you'll remember... A, he'll remember the day in a good way that he won. But I don't think you can remember the match with great fondness. Mm. It was just a, I watched quite a bit of it and it was just a, a yeah, a struggle would be the way to describe it for both players, really. Mm. Because really, uh, and with the greatest respect to David Goffin, who, as I think most people who listen to the podcast regularly know, I really like as a player and a bloke. Um, really, if you said to Cam Norrie, you're going to reach your first Grand Slam quarterfinal and you're going to play David Goffin, it's an absolute dream draw, isn't it? Like, it's as easy as you could really expect it to be. And again, I say that with a bit of respect to Goffin. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the players that you play a quarterfinal. If you're in a quarterfinal and you're not in the top eight seeds, you, you're pretty much expecting to play somebody who is one of the top eight seeds or somebody who's beaten one of the top eight seeds mm. um, and legitimately one of the top eight seeds. So, yeah, it's not that you would say David Goffin is is the weakest player in the top 100 by any stretch, but um, he is one of the guys who you think, yeah, I'll t as Ryan Giggs would always say, I'd take that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he was certainly not a bad uh, option, to say the least, but he did have a pretty significant lead. Um, I kind of thought Cam had edged his way back into it. As you say, he, he, he wasn't fluent by any stretch. And then he went four love down in a third set, and I... You know, the crowd at Wimbledon are funny. They're great when they're up. But when things are going badly, there's this noise they make after you miss a ball. And it, it I can only sum it up as a groan that says, we're not angry, we're just disappointed. Yeah, that... And I, mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, and actually sometimes, and it was amazing today, watching Djokovic Sinner on centre, because sometimes, because Sinner hits the ball with so much topspin the ball would come off his racket and they'd do the groan because like, oh, he's just flown that 10 feet long and it would dip in and they go, oh no, actually, that's quite good. Well done, mate. Um, so yeah, they're not always not always very good with the groaning, but but credit to him. He lost that set 6-2 and then he really pulled himself together and he started serving better. He started making a few more balls. There was even a moment, I mentioned it in the WhatsApp, Calvin, he he sort of, you know, flapped his arms up in the air to try and, you know, the sort of bring the noise gesture. And, you know, yeah. God bless Cam. He's a super nice guy, but that's not really his style. And it reminded me a lot of the Tim Henman fist pump, which almost felt like someone had said, Tim, Tim, you need a bit of a thing. And he was yeah. like, oh, no, I do a lovely little fist pump. It's like, okay, yeah. that's not really going to work. I mean, you know Cam quite well, Cal, but it, it's not really his style, is it? <laughs> No, it's not. Um, you don't know whether that was preconceived or not. I doubt it was with Cam, but yeah, um, you know, maybe one of those things you think I'm going to try here and it, it just doesn't <laughs> just doesn't work very well. No, no, it really doesn't. I, I found something interesting out about him the other day, which you know you, you might recognise as a sort of character trait. But he talked about how he was when he was in America, he basically wasn't playing tennis that much and was going out quite a lot and had a couple of drinks although he didn't say how many and then like jumped on a moped to go and see his girlfriend basically got about 15 feet and crashed this moped and he wasn't particularly hurt as far as i can tell but his coaches were like 
this is incredibly stupid and you need to really think about whether you actually want to play tennis here. Yeah, I'd heard that before and forgot about it, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he went to TCU, which I think has got a reputation of being quite a good party school. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I understand that, which is weird because he was so good at uni. Um, yeah. He was a phenomenal. I mean, he was ranked uh, number one. Yeah. And the only reason that he'd have won the tournament that year, the only reason he didn't, it was that he was so far better, better than everyone else that there was no point in him finishing the year and he could have just went straight on and played tournaments. Hmm. So he basically turned pro sort of mid-season in 2017. Is that right? I think he just turned... I think he finished the season and then just didn't bother playing the tournaments. Right. Okay. Um, if, if that's right. Because the tournaments are basically at the end of the year. Yeah. I think he just went and straight just did, he might have played the team one and not sure but he didn't play the individual one. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. And actually funnily enough I spoke to his two coaches well as you know Calvin that the college system is that there's a head coach who runs the whole program and then the kind of assistant coaches who are what we would recognize as tennis coaches you know on the court with them all the time. And I I I said to them like oh did did a little bit of you like you know, I wondered if I might get the, the Martin O'Neill line where I think Dion Dublin came up to him and told him he wanted to lead Aston Villa and he said, Well, you know, if I had a gun I'd have shot him. Uh and I was No, that was you've got you've got the players and the managers wrong there. That was John Gregory, Dwight York. Oh, there you go, yeah. I yeah. knew it was Aston Villa. Just... Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. you know, I wondered if I'd get that and actually they said absolutely not. Like Cam's a brilliant bloke and he was so ready to go pro. Um, I think the I think the college coaches they they know that as well and and often they have they have to make deals with the players like mm. if 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 you stay this one extra year then you we you know you can go then or if you do this this six months then then you can go or mm. and that kind of thing so it wouldn't have been just a it wouldn't have been a decision right I'm ready to go now it would have been I'm they normally tell them one semester in advance yeah. And is it right that if you're playing, in, if you're in college and you like play a futures, you know, during the holidays, you you can't earn money from that competition tournament? Is that right? You can only earn the expenses, which, right. to be fair, in futures is all there is. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and you're allowed a certain amount of expenses. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was one player. I won't name the player because it's not fair on them, but they played Wimbledon a few years ago while still in the college system and and so they couldn't get any um couldn't get any prize money and i was talking to them and i said to them you've got to find the most expensive penthouse room in london <laughs> and book yourself in there because you can claim that as expenses um, and I, I don't think they did i i would have done <laughs> and i'm sure it won't take too much sleuthing to work out who that was either but yeah, yeah. That, that, i mean that would have been the sensible thing to do quite frankly um of course that will change in the next couple of years because i think am i right in saying they're changing the rules about like college players earning money i think that's there, they are uh, and i think that's gonna that's gonna have quite a big effect on things it's funny because I, I was spent quite a bit of time with with henry who i coach his his college coach at wimbledon last year and he was explaining that kind of thing to me and he was saying in many ways it'll be good and in many ways it it, it won't be. Mm. Um, he was saying that they they basically got this idea that they're levelling the playing field. But at the same time, he was saying the idea that, that the school where he went to, which is, I think, a, a, a Division One school, but a small one, is has ever been on a level playing field with somewhere like LSU. Right. is just unrealistic. So he said it, it wouldn't make any difference in that regard other than they don't really know how it's going to affect tennis players. To be fair, it's mainly aimed at, um, I think, football, or basketball. Um, yeah, 
and it, it is you know without getting too distracted because this is a podlet it's always wild and my, my girlfriend watches these like college um you know the documentaries that they do that are really good and you look at like i don't know alabama who are selling out a seventy thousand seat stadium every weekend and these guys get paid zero pounds and zero pence like it, it's completely yeah. insane there's actually a um a documentary about the Fab Five who were a basketball team for I think, Michigan State or right. Michigan University of Michigan, and they were saying the same thing. How basically that all basketball players used to wear white shoes, apart from these five guys who basically created wearing black trainers, right. and then Nike Nike cottoned it and signed a deal with the university. And they were saying they had no money to eat or anything, and they'd walk past the Nike store, and all of their pictures were in the in the window wearing these black <laughs> shoes that had sold out and Nike were making fortunes off them. But, yeah, um, it doesn't, doesn't feel very right. I mean, it? I guess in tennis, I, I don't I don't really think it will apply too much in tennis because as we just said, the players at the lower end of the scale, they don't make a load of money anyway. Yeah. And, and if you're making a lot of money in tennis, you wouldn't be at university anyway. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's a sort of catch-22 really. Um, but anyway, it worked out for Cam and as you say, he left because he was more than ready to go onto the pro scene and uh, I was just looking at his results and it very much paid off because he well he got a wild card to Wimbledon and lost to Songa but then won a challenger that summer uh, in America and then got to the semi-finals of another and then qualified for the US Open and made second round there so but to, to think that he might have done that while still being at college <laughs> would have been a bit yeah. galling because it cost him about $200,000 but yeah um, yeah, yeah, it's worked out and he's into a Wimbledon semi-final. He's going to face the world number three, the top seed and the defending champion, Novak Djokovic, who did what Novak Djokovic does best today. He went two sets down and then he won. And I have to say, and without wanting to seem smug about it, I was sat next to our chief sports correspondent, who's a great writer and he covers across lots of sports, so he knows lots of different sports. But he said, oh, Djokovic is in trouble here at two sets down. And I said, nope. This, like, I have no question in my mind that he is winning this match. Because we've all seen that film before, Calvin. It's just... I, I don't know if he deliberately loses the first two sets. I don't think anyone would do that. But he's there's something that these young guys just can't cope with about it. Yeah, I, it's funny because I, I was the same. I was in about five different conversations about it on WhatsApp. And I remember forwarding my same message to all five groups which was Djokovic will still win him Djokovic will win this in five yeah and what I think it's not that he loses them on purpose what I think is he's just a genius at at figuring out if we say that each player has levels that they can play at from from one to ten yeah and he knows where his are and he then figures out right I think I need a six here and then (laughs) six won't be good enough and he'll lose it he'll go okay I'm maybe gonna have to go seven yeah. And seven's not good enough. And then he, then he can just move up and he's go, right, an eight will get it done. And that's what he does. He goes, right, I'll, play, I'll just play an eight now. And he, mm. he just mean, manages to move up those gears. And I always say that, I, I feel like a broken record on this, I always say you judge a player, you don't judge a player by their top level, you judge it by their middle and their bottom level. Mm. It's different with him because it's not even like you judge them by that level. He just wins when yeah. it's that level. It doesn't even have to. It's not like his middle level is particularly impressive. It can still be absolutely dross, mm. as we saw in that that 2019 final with Federer. It can still be absolutely dross, and he'll still win. Mm. Yeah, it's completely wild, and it was crazy. Like, it's not as simple as this, but it was amazing looking at his serving stats today. He served at 60% for the first two sets, and then 80% in the third set. 
Like it's just you know I, I know you get carried away with serving percent first serve percentages, but I think the Djokovic like this latest iteration of Djokovic, the serve is such a weapon and so important, and obviously on grass as well. Um, that that felt like such a massive adjustment, and he just seems to do it as you say at will. And and it did feel a bit like he made a change after the first set, and it wasn't the serve. And then he's like, okay, well maybe I just put more serves in and see what that does, and and it seems yeah. to work. I mean, credit to Sinner, like. I'd forgotten how entertaining he is to watch. He makes some shots. He has that Djokovic ability to make shots that you just think are impossible. Like he he made a, he made a he ran down a drop shot today, you know, sort of on the right hand side of the court, which I was convinced had bounced twice, and he then picked it up and got it across court, like across the face of Djokovic, and dipped it down and made it. And I was just like. I was I was genuinely turning around to people going that bounced twice right there's no way this is like counting it just he's gonna win a slam he's gonna win multiple slams I've absolutely no doubt about that I'm not so sure really uh, yeah and I think he's got to add a lot to his game yeah he but he if you think that there's there's three ways to win a tennis point you have you can hit winners your opponent can make errors or you can force your opponent to make errors mm. he only has one way of winning the points he, he, and that's by hitting winners himself mm. and he's still quite one-dimensional to me when it goes well that dimension is is great to watch mm. but he's going to keep coming across players who're going to do that to him what what he did today there's mm. too many too many of the the other guys are adaptable at the top level and uh, I've still got doubts whether he'll win one He's funny as well. I haven't watched him. I've only watched bits and pieces of him over the fortnight in the flesh, just because he's not had been in that big matches apart from apart from Alcaraz. And it, I'd forgotten how much he just looks like a kid in his PE kit. Yeah, like it doesn't fit him very well. He's an awkward sort of dimension bloke anyway. He looks very young. Yeah, he's a, he's a funny looking guy. Absolutely, but also, if if you didn't know he was Italian. You'd have no idea that he's Italian. No, well, like his yeah. his name isn't even doesn't even sound Italian. He no. doesn't look like any Italian men. Uh, <laughs> he's from oh, he's from for people who don't know, he's from yeah. a place called South Tyrol, which is right on the um this sort of Austrian border uh, near Liechtenstein uh, in the Alps. So it it kind of is. They didn't even speak Italian there. I I learned today until Mussolini turned up and said, you speak Italian now. Right. So they actually speak a, a weird dialect that apparently is a sort of um, sort of amalgam of, of Italian and German. So, yeah, you're right. He doesn't look or sound Italian, and the answer is because he kind of isn't, because, yeah. you know. And, and Italy's such a diverse place anyway because it's huge and it's not been unified for that long. But I, I yeah. could go on about the geopolicy of Italy for a long time. Um, let's not. Let's talk about whether Cam Norrie has any remote chance of doing what Yannick Sinner didn't and beating Novak Djokovic. Uh, yeah, because this is look as much as I pray. You know, we say those things about Djokovic. He's 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 past his best now. Mm. This is not this is not peak Djokovic that we're looking at. Um, I think there's been enough evidence of that over the last two years. Um, but he's still very good. Mm. Um, and yeah, you you wonder how Cam's gonna beat him, but mm. you never know. You, Djokovic loses these mad matches, doesn't he? Yeah, I I just think he the problem for Cam is that he's he is gonna be the the crowd favorite, and I think that that like Djokovic doesn't lose when people want him to lose. Like the yeah. the one big big sort of flop for want of a better word 
was that US Open final against Medvedev in, in this latest iteration of post-pandemic Djokovic. That was the one massive... He wasn't great against Nadal, we know that, but I also think Nadal was very good at the French Open. But when people want him to lose, and let's face it, centre court doesn't love him and he's playing the British number one. And while people don't know Cam that well, they desperately want him to win. And I just feel like that is what fires Djokovic up. And actually, the US Open, where everyone wanted him to win, something in his computer didn't have the input. I think today as well, what was interesting when I was watching uh, Cam's match, it kind of gave me a different thought. I don't know if it's a different, but maybe think about this no ranking points thing. Because initially I thought, geez, Cam's going to be so disappointed when there's so unlucky that there's no ranking points here. Yeah. But then you think, well, in this situation, and this is no disrespect to Cam or anyone else, because maybe Kyrgios and Garin tomorrow in the same position, you think, well, this is why there shouldn't be ranking points, because the draw would have been different. Daniel mm. Medvedev would have been there. Yeah. Andre Rublev would have been there. Mm. And you can't just discount them and then go crack on with the ranking points because somebody would have made semi-finals of a slam, which is big points. Yeah. And they can go, well, and this is purely, I'm talking purely on a tennis point of view here, nothing to do with the politics of it all. This is why I think you couldn't have ranking points at this mm. tournament and not even any, not, not half, but why you couldn't have any because these things are going to happen on, on the women. Similarly, you've taken Sabalenka out of the draw. Mm. Yeah. I hadn't even really thought about it like that, but yeah, it's, when you're faced with the reality of it, it does kind of um, change things. I should mention, by the way, on ranking points, that the WTA, it was revealed earlier this week, um, have fined a combined total of a million dollars off the All England Club and the LTA. Uh, I am told the ATP have not done anything similar yet, and that is a quite significant word in that sentence. That's probably all I can really say, but... Um, yeah, more more on this as I get it, if you like. Uh, let, let's move on uh, to something quite serious that I want to address. Um, we recorded a podcast, the last podcast, and we talked a lot about Nick Kyrgios and the story that I'm about to relate to you had not broken, so we couldn't talk about it. Uh, I'm basically going to tell you what we know, and then we're going to move on because there is an active legal case involved and it would be stupid, prejudicial, and frankly, legally dangerous for us to for speculate and it also could result in someone not getting justice which is the most dangerous thing about these stories so um as we found out on tuesday morning uh, nick kiros is due to appear in court next month for allegedly assaulting uh, his former girlfriend um he obviously it was reported by the canberra times uh, down in australia uh, the local police said ATT policing can confirm a 27-year-old Watson man is scheduled to face the magistrate's court on the 2nd of August in relation to one charge of common assault following an incident in December. Um, his barrister, Jason Moffat, told the Canberra Times the charge was, quote, in the context of a domestic relationship. And he said, quote, the nature of the allegation is serious and Mr. Kyrgios takes the allegation very seriously. Um, my understanding is that the ATP are not planning on taking action against Nick Kyrgios until there's some sort of outcome from the legal proceedings, that there are ways and means in which they could, but in this case, I believe they're not going to. They're not going to kick him out of Wimbledon, which obviously isn't the ATP's job, it's the All England Club, but they're not going to do that. Um, As I say, it's an explosive and dangerous story in an active legal case, Um, so we can probably leave that there. Um, I would like to talk about more, and, and maybe once the legal case is over, we can, but at the moment, it's simply not possible. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, what we do know is that tomorrow he'll take on Christian Garin. Um, Calvin, I said to George this morning, I thought Kyrgios could lose this match because he's not that fit. And he's played, I think, 16 matches in the last month. He's been feeling his shoulder. I thought he was moving very slowly between points against Nakashima, which is a bit of a giveaway. And also because Garin's going to make him play much longer points. Uh, am I, I mean, I assume you're going to disagree with me. I think Kyrgios will win still. I mean, I don't disagree with the principle of what you're saying. I think if he was playing someone a bit better, it'd be a major problem for him. Hmm. But I just don't think Garin's that good on a grass court. He's had a hmm. nice little draw there against players who aren't going to cause him the problems that Kyrgios is going to cause him. Hmm. He's played guys similar to him most of the way through. And I, I just think Kyrgios can... He, there's a way that Kyrgios can win it, like, two two and two and that's that's feasible mm. that could happen mm. um and then it doesn't matter how fit he is no um you know i think he's probably got that in him though what the shoulder thing i just cut i think was a bit of a blag the other right. day i mean he look if your shoulder's hurting like that you can he's starting coming out and serving at 130 again it's just <laughs> unfeasible yeah it's absolutely unfeasible yeah, it doesn't really make any sense, does it? Um, that match is on number one court tomorrow because Rafa Nadal is down on centre against Taylor Fritz. I mean, we've barely talked about Taylor Fritz because I think a little bit like Christian Garin, he's had a decent enough draw. Um, he beat Lorenzo Mazzetti, Alistair Gray, Alex Molcan, Molchan, I should say, and Jason Kubler. He hasn't dropped a set, but he also hasn't played anyone ranked, I think, inside the top. 60. I'm not quite sure where Alex Molchan is in the world at the moment. I mean, do we give Fritz... He obviously beat him in a, a Masters final earlier this year, which would give him something, but can't imagine we give him much chance here, do we? Uh, I'd give him more chance than I'd give Garin a beating Kyrgios. Hmm. Um, he's beaten once already. He's, he's had, quietly, he's had a decent year, Taylor yeah. Fritz. Um, establishing himself as pretty solid top 15 player. Um, big serve, big forehand. Um, won a grass court title in Eastbourne, didn't he? Or did he lose in the final? 
Uh, no, he beat uh, Maxine Cressy. In the yeah, fight, yeah. One eight. This is yeah. This is not a surefire for Nadal. I think mm. Nadal will win, obviously, mm. but um, yeah, I actually haven't seen Nadal play yet in the whole tournament. So <laughs> I keep hearing people telling me he's not playing great. Um, I don't know. It's very hard to tell. I mean, I watched him practice today. Actually, he was out on court sixteen practicing. Um, which I I mean I like. It's a very small court. It's probably well, I guess apart from like five and stuff, but it is a small court. There's like three rows of seats on either side and it always creates a bit of a buzz around the grounds when they do that. And also it means that you can just be five metres away from Rafa Nadal and really kind of get a great idea of how hard he hits the ball. I mean, bloody hell, he hits the ball hard. I mean, I know that sounds really stupid, but Christ almighty, he hits it hard. Yeah. I mean, he was practising with Mark Lopez, who's obviously one of his coaches, and it was just drills when, you know, Lopez was basically just lopping it into his forehand and he would muller it, but Jesus, yeah, it was... Yeah, I mean, if, if Nadal, if if he's fit and if he wins, then that is some... He, there's no way that Kyrgios is getting through Nadal. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that is a semi-final that we... Uh, well, we, we will maybe see and we hope to see on Friday. Um, it is one, of course, that you can play half of uh, on the as a licensed player uh, on uh, Match Point Tennis Championships, I should say. They're, of course, our sponsor for the Wimbledon uh, for the duration of the tournament. Um, I've been playing the game and really enjoying it. It's terrific. I know George has been talking about playing Nick Kyrgios a lot, which is no surprise at all. There are lots of other uh, licensed players on there. You can play as Taylor Fritz, Hubert Hercatch, Heather Watson, Hugo Gaston, Garbina Muguruza, Casper Rude. Um, you can also create your own player and play your way around the tour and work your way up the rankings, which is what I've been doing quite a lot of and really enjoying. Um, it's out on PC, PlayStation 4 or 5, Xbox, and it's also on Xbox Game Pass from the 7th of July. So we are really close now to deadline day. You can pre-order it from Game or indeed, you can buy it when it comes out on the 7th of July, but why wait that long? And if you're very lucky, once it comes out, you'll be able to take on me or George in an online game, which it's cross-platform online gaming as well, so you don't have to have an Xbox like me. Um, you can take me on, although I'm told it's a bit easier on PlayStation, so we shall see. That is Match Point Tennis Championships, uh, our sponsor for the duration of Wimbledon. Uh, we should look towards the women's draw a little bit. Uh <laughs> A weird old set of matches today, but a couple of really good stories, which I always like. Uh, the all-German quarter-final between Tatiana Maria and the big-serving Jules Niemeyer, who I'm absolutely sure we will see more of in the future. She's 22. She hits the ball massive. Um, she lost in three sets, though, today. Uh, 6-4, 2-6, 7-5 to Tatiana Maria. I mean, Calvin, I know you don't work in the women's game a huge amount, and obviously at the moment you don't work in the women's game at all, but... Tatiana Maria is 34 years old. She's never made a quarterfinal before in her life. She's had two kids quite far apart. So she's had two extended spells out of the game. And, you know, not just out of the game, but like going through one of the most physically demanding things a person can do, which is being pregnant and then having a child and then raising them. She's got her kids at the tournament. I I saw her pushing her little daughter around. I mean, it's pretty... I don't want to be patronising about it, but it's pretty impressive to do what she's done and get back to elite tennis and then to make a Grand Slam semi-final. Yeah, I, mean, I can't have enough respect for anybody to start. I mean, Serena Williams won one while she was pregnant, didn't she? Mm. I mean, that's just that's just mad. 
Um, and yeah, I I don't know anything about Tatiana um, Maria, actually. I feel a bit like John McEnroe. The only time I'll ever feel a bit like John McEnroe. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I'd not heard of her before um, about two days ago. So mm. I, I can't give you anything on it. She was also quite funny. Someone pointed out to me that, you know, she, I think, has locked up just over half a million quid in prize money now by making the semis. But because of where she is ranked in the world, she, she, I think she's 103 and obviously won't get any points. And she, she's going to go back to playing like ITF events next week yeah. <laughs> with like um, half a million quid in her pocket. <laughs> yeah, this is another thing with the ranking points, isn't it? Like, how do you go about I mean, look. If you're ranked 103, you're not playing the worst tournaments in the world. No, let's, let's no. be straight. Um, she's and, probably going to get in. She's at least getting qualies in most WTAs because she'll get someone will give they'll give a wild card into qualies. Yeah, you think so? Um, what's quite nice as well is she's going to take on Ons Jabur in the semi final, who came from a set down against Marie Buzkova. She didn't start brilliantly, Ons, but she boy did she finish well. Uh, she won 12 of the last 14 games, three six six one six one. Um, she is really good friends with Tatiana Maria. I, I haven't really identified how they became friends because they've been playing at quite a different level. But uh, they they described Ons as part of the Maria family, basically, um, which is really nice. And, I mean, I, I know we don't always want nicety in the game and that sometimes it can be a bit twee, but actually after the Kyrgios-Sitsipas stuff, I'm quite up for some niceness in the game. Like, it, it just makes me happy. Yeah, I think Andre Ball. Everyone loves Andre Ball, though. She's got like <laughs> if you you need a quick look at her Instagram or uh, any social media, and you find out that everyone in the top fifty is her friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think that's. I mean, she's, I know she's really good friends with Paola Bedosa. Yeah. And, and um, Nick Conservite, I think so. Yeah, and Sabalenka, I think. Um, and weird. Just, no one's and friends with Sabalenka. <laughs> don't know. Um, I don't know how friendly she is with Serena Williams. <laughs> well maybe not after their doubles partnership who knows yeah. um but yeah one of the nice women of tennis and um you know also just cutting a new furrow for like arabic women and a great role model for north african women also i'll tell you something interesting and it's purely anecdotal but my mum has always been pretty anti-women's tennis my mum is a bit of misogynist i should say that <laughs> like she doesn't like women vicars and that kind of thing and she's very old-fashioned but she said to me today she said oh um, I'm giving the women's tennis a go again today just because I thought I should. I thought this was very strange. <laughs> and um, she watched Jabur Buzkova and she said it was brilliant. And she said, oh, Jabur's changed the game. I thought that was interesting because, you know, it's sort of coincidence and she didn't, mum doesn't watch tennis that closely necessarily. But Jabur does play a different game from a lot of players, doesn't she? She's She's not like a lot of other players. Yeah, well, actually, Luke uh, has been playing with a uh, last few weeks with a Tunisian guy, um, mm. and he was telling Luke that I think they're the same. She might be the same age as Skander, actually. Right. Um, and he was saying that she was just a, a she was just always playing with the boys, and the, t- tend to be like the guys tend to play more sort of fun games around practice. Like the girls go on, it's drill, 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 yeah. like specific one and a half hours practice, and then on and off the court. Whereas the guys will play a bit of touch games, a bit of game called touch um, and that kind of thing. And he said that she was always wanting to play, always joining in with that. And I think that's that's how you can see how she plays now. Just created a bit, a bit of that stretch factor. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got the other women's uh, quarterfinals tomorrow. Uh, Elena, Rab- Elena Rabakina 
against Isla Tomlanovic and, well, the blockbuster one, really, Amanda Anasimova against Simona Halep. The most interesting news for me from today with regards to the Halep-Anasimova match is that just an hour before Sinner Djokovic, Darren Cahill, who, of course, is coaching Yannick Sinner, was spotted on court with with Amanda Anasimova, who he spent about a month coaching earlier this year and then broke up in what we thought were acrimonious circumstances because it didn't make any sense that he said he didn't want to travel and then immediately signed up with Yannick Sinner. But, I mean, if anyone knows Simona Halep's game well, it's Darren Cahill. If I saw that on social media, I think I'd be a bit scared if I was Simona Halep. No, that's the thing, is it? Are you saying we thought that it was acrimonious split up with Anisimova and we thought it was far from acrimonious that him and Simona Halep are always praising each other and now... It looks like we got that completely wrong. So, uh, he's, he's on court helping out our next opponent. I mean, that must happen occasionally. I mean, you must have experienced something like that when, I mean, you know, when a when a coach recently has broken up with a player and then ends up on court with someone against them. I mean, it must be a bit awkward. It's it's difficult, you know, and it always depends on the on the um, the relationship that you had with the player and and the, the how how things ended. Mm. Um, if you've had a particularly close relationship with a player, but things have ended sort of, you know, fine, and you're then coaching their opponent, it's it's how much you get involved. It's a bit awkward. You don't want to be getting the fist pump out and that kind of thing. It's right. Um, but at the same time, you have a job to do, and you have you have to encourage your players. So, mm. I mean, how um, I also like. It's not a secret how people play tennis. Like they do it in front of the crowd every day. Like if I were to, say, if you started coaching someone to play against Luke tomorrow, like presumably you wouldn't know that much more than just a punter who's watched Luke play for the last year. You could actually because you'd watch more, and because you're the coach, you're aware of certain things that those players struggle with that they don't. And they that might other be able people to hide. Might not, might not have noticed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There are certain things that, like players who I've coached previously, have had issues with, and I don't think players have actually spotted them. And I've, I've always thought I'm amazed that these things don't get exposed more. Right. Okay. Um, but. Um, and I hope I come up against him in two years' time, and I can. Well, do no, it. because it's one of those. Because I do also think that it, it's. I'm not saying one way or another because it's a balancing act here. I also don't think it's ethically fair, possibly to to be using that yeah against players who you've you've coached and had good relationships with mm. um at the same time mm. what an what an uncomfortable world it must be if you're someone who yeah. moves around a lot uh, i guess you can't burn many bridges in tennis it's not really worth doing is it um <laughs> yeah just... and but also a lot of coaches aren't very good so they might not even notice any of that stuff so <laughs> <laughs> of course, I forgot. I forgot how few good coaches there are. Calvin Darren Cahill. Yeah. Is well, I mean, George had Darren Cahill winning Wimbledon a set, a set, one set to love to Sinner today. So, um, <laughs> uh, like, um, and, and he was, has, and just Darren Cahill. He did, didn't even praise Yannick Sinner no, when, no. when the score came up. He just went, "Darren Cahill's amazing." Like, <laughs> like, what about the guy hitting the shots? He's not bad. <laughs> he does a decent job. Um, and the other match is Isla Tomljanovic against Elena Rybakina. I know George was saying this morning, um, or earlier I should say, uh, that Elena Rybakina is really dangerous, and she is. Um, I think it would be quite funny if Elena Rybakina won Wimbledon because she was born in Moscow, and I think she's the only player um, here born in Moscow. I know there was the doubles girl whose name I've forgotten, Gorod- Gorodzia, I think her name is, 
uh, who has recently changed nationality to Georgia, but she pretty much is pretty Georgian. Um, whereas, uh, as I believe happens a lot, and you might be able to correct me on this, Calvin, like there are quite a lot of players who represent Kazakhstan who were part of the Russian setup in one way or another. Uh, yeah, there are, um, especially lower down the rankings. Um, basically, the the person that runs the Kazakhstani um, tennis say governing body or situation mm. uh is very wealthy right. and that's, you can read what you want into that i see okay uh very good um that's probably all we need to get through uh for today's podlet it's been quite a long podlet but that's no bad thing i'm sure you'll agree uh tomorrow as i say garen kirios fritz nadal tom janovich rebecca halep anna samova and then we will be through to the semi-finals. We'll get that really annoying draw merge where someone has to play back-to-back days, um, which I know, Calvin, you hate because it's a bad piece of scheduling. But that is all we've got time for. Um, thank you very much for listening. Please do come back tomorrow for another one, and we'll see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.